You're listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. I can't think of the last time I had a turkey leg. It was probably like uh, Six Flags Over Texas. Outside of like Thanksgiving, I can only think of really Renfrayers and, oh, yeah, and the yeah, like Six fair. Flags. Uh, yeah. Medieval times, uh, mm-hmm. you know. There you uh, go. But is that even still open? It is. Yeah, it's it is. so funny. It actually, they're it one is. of my clients. Really? Oh, really? Uh, yeah. We used to host their uh, uh, website uh, a while ago. Um, mm, you know, really? back uh, like 2000. Well, I started in 2008. From like 2008 to 2010, we yeah we hosted medieval times. Wow, that's awesome. that is a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, that's nice, so funny. Nice. Yeah, I drove past them recently because uh, we we <laughs> went to get Jenna her second vaccine, uh, and they're doing it across the street, like at Market Center. Uh, oh yeah, and so we had to take the loop coming back, and we're like, "Holy shit!" I, I mean, I, I guess it makes sense. You know, they had plagues back then, anyway. So, uh, you're gonna, <laughs> right, gonna get a, a communicable disease. What better place to get it than the uh, medieval times <laughs> dinner and tournament? <laughs> dinner, tournament, and plague. <laughs> this is the 16-bit gladiators here on the Next Wave Radio Network. I'm your co-host, as always, Joel, and I'm joined by Jay Gunn once again. Hello, Jay. Hello, hello. And a uh, special guest joining us again this time, uh, although pretty much a regular here on the 16-bit gladiators, Jason Jasinski. Yeah. That's right. This is hey. what third or fourth yeah. appearance, I think, since we relaunched uh, back in November. I believe I so. Yeah. I believe so. It's always a pleasure to be here. Uh, on, on short notice this time, too, um, and it was something that... I knew since we're all kind of similar ages, as I said, uh, you, you probably, at least if you hadn't played some of these consoles we're going to talk about, uh, you were at least alive when they were released. Uh, and we're talking about failed consoles. That's the topic this week on the 60 Gladiators. This is our video game themed podcast that we do every week. Uh, if you want to subscribe to this podcast, you're not already, you can do so on our website, which is 16bitgladiators.com. We have a little handy button there to subscribe either on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, uh, or your uh, favorite podcasting app of choice. We also have links to our social networks there, our Facebook page, which, as you guessed, is 16-Bit Gladiators, uh, and also on Twitter, which is at 16-Bit Gladiators. Uh, you can follow us there. You'll always know what topics we're talking about. Uh, and yes, in fact, I did tweet last week after our video game music uh, episode, which uh, a big hit, by the way, uh, and an audio-visual, extra- well, audio extravaganza, at least. Yeah, it was a fun one to put together. Uh, so we're going to have a hard time topping this one, but I think we can do it because, uh, we have, yes, I think uh, because of you, you had some, uh, great tracks, some great remixes of video game music that I had not heard before that I have, uh, been humming all week. Thanks to you. So, uh, you're in my head, Excellent. Jay. Appreciate Excellent. it. Uh, some of those tracks I'd forgotten about and, uh, Zelda two, like when's the last time mm-hmm. anybody ever evoked that game in a positive way? Uh, right, but we right. did so on our video game music episode. Uh, some things that won't get a lot of positive talk this week are uh, failed video game consoles. I think doing research for this, I'm realizing there are more bad or, or failed video game consoles, both handheld and at home, than there are successful ones. And that makes sense. You know, you have uh, any number of competitors in a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the cream of the crop is going to rise to the top. Uh, that was an unintentional rhyme. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of them that fall by the wayside for one reason or another, I'm sure, of which we'll examine on this episode. So uh, I don't even know where to start this. I don't really want to go chronologically uh, because we're really going to show our age there. I mean, we can talk <laughs> about, you know, the, the, the Commodore 64 or uh, any of those brick beige uh, monstrosities <laughs> that invaded living rooms in the 70s. But uh, It's crazy to me because it's like the... 
going over some of this list, there's so many that like, you know, I knew about like the Intellivisions and the, and yes. the Commodores and, and things like that, but, and the Odysseys, but oh, yeah. there's so many that are just like, what the, what, what, what even <laughs> is this? I've never even heard of this before. Yeah. I think we'll, uh, on this episode, we're probably going to talk about a lot of the ones that you've at least heard of, if not played. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't say that I've played most of the ones on my list, maybe a third. Uh, but a lot of these are just consoles you heard of, maybe you never saw in the wild, as they say. Or, or, or maybe you did, and that was the only exposure you had to them. And Jason, you were just talking about uh, the TurboGrafx-16. Uh, oh, yes. Only having experienced that in a Walmart kiosk, is that correct? That is correct, in the colony. Uh, of all places and uh, it was so unmemorable i couldn't even tell you what <laughs> game it was uh probably it was bonk just, i'm guessing yeah i probably. mean you know pixels moving on a screen <laughs> that was that was the high bar there wow although i i do recall it being one of the first of course it's got 16 right there in the uh, name because it was one of the first 16-bit consoles that you could buy. This was pre-Super Nintendo, right? Mm, uh, yes, but yeah. I believe the Genesis had already come out by this point, right? The uh, Genesis yes. was out. Um, I think they both came out about the same time. And yeah. actually, the the Turbo Graphics, they you know they were marketing as a 16-bit, but they were actually 8-bit. They just had 16-bit color, ah. so they were they were using that and not the actual 16-bit like processor yeah in there not the first time a console on our list got a little fudgy with the numbers mm-hmm. still here uh mm-hmm. maybe later in the episode but yeah uh there was really no like governing board that could uh dictate in your marketing what was 16-bit what was 32-bit it was really up to the uh the manufacturers to be honest and uh as yep. as we learned with blast processing in the Sega Genesis, <laughs> marketers get a hold of something and run with it. Uh, there's no accountability to be had. Oh my god! Jay, did you ever play a 16 bit uh, uh, or a, a TurboGrafx 16? I I don't think I ever played one uh, physically in the wild. I have I've played the handheld one. Ah uh, yes, uh, which I think had the same you know played the same games. It was just a you know years later they came out with the with the with the mobile version of it. Yeah, and I know it it did pretty well over in japan like it did yes. comparable to like super nintendo over in japan oh wow really yeah but it, it never seemed to really catch on anywhere else yeah um, well i guess they're a japanese company and that's that's mm-hmm. to be expected um and yeah it was just one of those things where i think i think uh, the u.s was maybe a little bit behind when it came to console releases at that time like you oh, know yeah, definitely japan had the super nintendo like a year before we did uh, mm-hmm. And so we were kind of playing catch up, which meant you got Sega Genesis, Super Nintendo, and TurboGrafx 16 all kind of released within what maybe 18 month window. Um, it was and, real close. And by that point, American audiences already knew there was a Super Nintendo in the works on the way, and they had just dominated home video gaming for like the last five years. So it's like people, you know, Nintendo carried a lot of stock. That name meant something yep. to some people. Genesis yep. and Sega yep. maybe less so, but at least they had been around. NEC, mm-hmm. like, you know, <laughs> they made computers. If you even recognize them, yeah. like that's what you knew them for, not for, yep. you know, the the best in gaming. Uh, but but mm-hmm. I did actually have a buddy who uh, who had one. He was the only person I knew who owned one. Uh, and I remember going over there and playing Bonk, you know, Little Caveman, which was basically like their version of Mario. Uh, and it looked great, and it played great, and it was a good game, but... Um, it's you got to have quantity and quality, and I think uh, TurboGrafx-16 uh, succumbed to 
you know, just kind of a lack of software after time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think the entire catalog is only like 200 games. And I think Oof. only about maybe 20 of those are actually in English. <laughs> so, Compared so, to like yeah. the Super Nintendo's like, what, 10,000? Didn't it have like 10,000 games Good or something? God, by the end of some run? ridiculous number like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's funny. ridiculous. Uh, Jason, any other, yeah. what else do you remember about playing it in that Walmart? Uh, just there, there were actually people waiting in line to play it. Oh, um, oh wow. So, you know, uh, but that's because there wasn't a super Nintendo to play. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So sad. So sad. (laughs) Now, how how did you hear about it? Was it just kind of like gaming magazines, word on the street? And and that's what I was going to say. I, I think uh, their their big downfall was just magazine uh, um, uh, marketing coverage. Um, yeah. you, you know, Nintendo had money behind them. They were a mm-hmm. big, you know, a bigger company. They had, uh, you know, done this in Japan previously. So they right. they kind of knew how to target their audience, what their audience wanted, how to present these games. You know, um, how, how to you know how to get people hooked. Um, and I, I, I mean, was there ever any TurboGrafx 16 like TV commercials? I remember seeing one, God, it had to have been, you know, late eighties, of course, when it, when it was first coming out, I think I remember seeing a a few of them here and there. And I, I do remember seeing like in a EGM, uh, magazine, right. You know, advertisements for them and stuff like that. But beyond that, it's like once, once the Super Nintendo and the Genesis had come out, never really saw anything of the turbo graphics again oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. and what, what's crazy is like i can still remember the the commercial for zelda yeah. you know yes. the, with the guy, paul red the guy yeah the guy yes. walking through the black of zelda <laughs> i mean you, you know that's good marketing yeah um, mm-hmm. and you know trying to sit there and go man i don't even i can't even think of any I, yeah, they just failed. Well, um, and, and also, like, you know, they were really big on pushing the technology, but, like, nowadays, like, you know, the, the PS5 isn't called, like, you know, the NVIDIA 6400. Like, who cares how many gigabytes it is or how fast, you know, people, it, it turned out consumers don't really care about that stuff. We know that mm-hmm. 16 is better than 8, and we know that 32 is better than 16. So I guess there's a little bit of logic there in the marketing, but for the, yeah, they, they weren't really talking to, the core audience of gamers. They were talking to what they thought were like computer enthusiasts, I think. Right. Right. Uh, well, well, yeah, it turns out the people that, that like to play video games usually don't really care about the technology behind it. Exactly. They just want to play the uh, games. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, a lesson that many of company have learned over the year. Uh, Atari being one of them, uh, mm-hmm. which is, uh, there's a couple of Atari systems on this list uh, for me anyway, but uh the one I remember the most was the Atari Jaguar. Now, I, I, I grew yes. up with Atari. I grew up with an Atari 2600. That was like my first video game home console. Uh, so I have a, a lot of affinity for that. Uh, mm-hmm. But it did not follow me to the, well, I guess the 52. There's another one with a weird naming console. What the hell? What even 2600 is? Like, what did that represent? I have no idea. But I knew that the you know, 5200 I, was better at the time. Yeah, I don't, I don't know at the time what it, what it was for. But I know now there is, it's like a, a hacking group, I think. Oh really? That goes by uh, yeah. Goes by twenty six hundred. Yeah, yeah. Because of that. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, it was like they they just they just did twenty six hundred, and then their their next console was like, well, we'll just double the twenty six hundred and do fifty two, and yeah. then 
we'll just add another 26 and then, you know, 78. <laughs> <Keep> doubling <laughs> so until forever. They yeah. just kept bumping their number up. Oh, that's they, right. They just went that. up to 78. They didn't even double 52, did they? There was no mm-hmm. yep. Atari 100. I can't do math. I'm not doing math here. Live. <laughs> what, 104? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's what it would have been. Uh, but uh, Atari did have a, a number in there, uh, Jaguar. Uh, I believe mm-hmm. it was uh, the first like real 64-bit system, or at least that's how they uh, marketed, how they marketed it. it. But yeah. I, <laughs> but actually, when you looked under the hood, uh, it was actually two 32-bit uh, chips uh, that they were kind of pairing together Indeed. and smudging the numbers a little bit there but again it doesn't matter uh if you have the software and you have the following i mean they had the name i think the atari name still held something uh at least in you know and people in our generation we knew uh, atari and i was willing to give them another, another chance uh, i was excited for it yeah really were Definitely. you mm-hmm. yeah i was when i when i when they first announced it i was excited to to try it out because it, one it was going to be the you know the first 64-bit system mm-hmm. so i was like that's going to be cool um but you know when it when it actually came out i had a buddy of mine that um had one and uh it's like some of the some of the games that he got on him they were they were okay it wasn't anything super special about the only one that i remember that i really enjoyed though was the alien versus predator and it was uh it wasn't like the original like the like the avp um on the PC, mm-hmm. it's all done in full 3D. This one was done; it was all almost like a Doom style, where right. it was done with the pixel graphics. And uh, you had—I remember—you had, I remember you had the, the, like the little mouth thing coming out. That was one of your attacks, and you had your your tail that could come forward. That was one of your oh, other yeah. attacks. So I, I, that was the only one that I remember um, playing a lot of. But he had a, he had several like fighting games on there. He had that hmm. Tempest, uh, Tempest Tempest 2000, 2000 I think was on there. Right, that was another big release for them. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, when when your big hits are a Tempest two thousand and and, yeah. and a Doom clone, uh, yeah, well, not clone. I mean, it was actually probably the, one of the better home versions of Doom at the time. If you didn't mm-hmm. running it on a PC, uh, yeah, but, but yeah, two games does not sell a system. And also, uh, what stuck out to me at the time was it had this weird controller, this weird like remote control looking yes. controller. It had like seventeen buttons on it. There was like a little keypad, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and you had like interchangeable like things that you could put on it to say which buttons did what for different games yeah which no who's gonna do that it's like i have to do homework for my right. video game playing right. way too exactly. many buttons i thought it was a uh, intimidating uh especially for for me at the time I, I i you know we had just graduated from two buttons to like eight buttons for the super nintendo and mm-hmm. now we're adding joysticks in like you know i got a baby steps before you start putting an entire <laughs> qwerty keyboard on my fucking video game controller. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes indeed <laughs> uh, jason any experience with the atari jaguar uh you know i i had seen it but i hadn't played it um uh it was i had already had a computer at that time yeah uh, oh yeah so, so this was child's there, play to you right uh well i mean we, we i i don't think the, uh, the graphics weren't necessarily better but the games were uh yeah. if if that makes sense you know oh, yes. uh the, yeah. the that that quality uh over quantity mm-hmm. um i want to say that was right around the wing commander x-wing yes. all the all the star wars uh, pc games yeah, yeah i mean yes. there was so much that that just blew everything else out of the water you know yeah why would um, you want to yeah. put all your eggs in this one 500 hundred dollar basket 
Right, right. And games right. games then were like seventy bucks. Yeah. Uh, really? And that that was when like seventy bucks was like a hundred and forty bucks, you yeah, know. Might as well have been. <laughs> exactly. Um I, I think I think they probably had a great idea. Mm-hmm. Uh but it was just like uh, Neo Geo. Uh you know, yes. that was another yeah, five hundred or six hundred dollar system when mm-hmm. five and six hundred dollars was actually five and six hundred dollars. Although yeah. um, I will say with the Neo Geo, uh, another on our failed list here, uh, failed consoles. Uh, at least I, I kind of understood what, when somebody explained to me what it was. I was like, oh, okay. I think there's a market for that because it it was basically uh, the home, you know, the, the the motherboard and the CPU and all everything that was in the arcade cabinet, you know, the, the mm-hmm. SNK games that you would play, you know, King of Fighters. Uh, they yeah. had a, a bunch. Anytime you saw that SNK logo, you knew those games were on the Neo Geo. And these weren't yeah. just like ports of, you know, 16-bit ports of the games that you played in arcade uh, like we had on Super Nintendo and Genesis. It was the actual arcade game, right? Arcades, because yeah. it was like a little portable version of all of the hardware that's in that arcade cabinet. You just plug it into your TV instead, and, and you you buy these games. The games, I believe, were like two hundred dollars, though. Two hundred, like two hundred yeah. two fifty, somewhere around there. Which was crazy. I mean, I get it if your whole thing is like uh, pixel accurate emulation. Like, I, I guess there was a market for that, uh, but it definitely was not a mainstream market. I don't know how you're gonna. Yeah. I, I don't know what the business model is behind two hundred dollar games. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was. I, th- I think I, I saw one of those at Babbage's. You guys, yes, yeah. on, yes, on a deep discount, mm-hmm. no doubt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Again, uh, they, I, I think they were ahead of their time, and it was just you know too much uh, to to catch on the way you know a hundred dollar Nintendo. Oh yeah, right. Uh, you know, just, you know, you can buy ten consoles, ten Nintendos <laughs> for one Neo Geo. <laughs> Yeah, buy yeah. two two Nintendos yes. for one game. And for, yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. <laughs> it's like, how does that yeah. how does that make sense? Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. yeah, no, it, it's it's ridiculous. And the and the the other problem with it was is that most of the games that were available for it were just fighting games. Yes, I would say like that's what they were probably ninety five percent of their library on that thing was just fighting games. And it's like, I mean, if that's if that's your thing. And that's all you play? Yeah, more cool, power to you. But yeah, but like for most people that want to play like at least a little bit of a variety, <laughs> yes, they're going to want to look somewhere else. Now, yeah, it was it was uh, fighting games in the in the top down airplane. That's games. right. That's right. Yeah. Yes, like nineteen forty two. Nineteen forty two. Yep. Yep. Now I will say, uh, SNK did make Schmucks, some great, uh, some great fighters back then. Some great Street Fighter Two clones. Mm-hmm. I, I love oh, the yeah, artwork. So. I love the imagination uh, and the design of some of those characters in those levels. Uh, it was really a, a lot of eye candy. So I, 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 I mm-hmm. guess there was a market for that. But uh, yeah, it was not teenagers who uh, were yeah. buying games with their lunch money like mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not at those prices for sure. <laughs> I will say, if you guys, uh, you know. There is a market, I think, for like hardware emulation, um, like mm-hmm. you know, oh, yeah. g- games that are, are aren't, aren't run through a software emulator. They're actually played on on uh, comparable hardware nowadays. There's a company called Analog out there. Have you guys heard of them? Mm-hmm. I have. What I've seen of theirs are these uh, um, uh, recreations of like the Super Nintendo. They have one they called the Super NT, and it's a oh, that's su- right, yeah, yeah, the super modern design. But it, it's just that one module inside, and, and they sell them for like two hundred bucks. 
but they're That's always cool. completely sold out. Like ever mm-hmm. since the day they announced these, they've been sold out. You can get on a waiting list, but I've never gotten an update. Um, I, I bring them up because a they're a cool company. If you want to look into, uh, you got some of those old uh, Genesis or Super Nintendo, or even like you said, mm-hmm. TurboGrafx sixteen. Uh, carts lying around these guys make hardware that will play your carts nowadays they look great uh they have hdmi output uh, outputs uh and uh yeah they're they're supporting them in a a time where the only play way you can play these games legit is if you have a console that still works or you find one uh, at a swap meet or something right Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah I'm, i'm actually finding uh some places that are that are doing essentially what you would dump a rom with mm-hmm. like take your old your old cartridge and plug it into your computer and dump that rom off onto it yeah um the emulators are now interfacing with those devices Ooh. so that you could actually just plug your cartridge in and then plug it into your computer and then the emulator on your computer will play the rom straight from the cartridge that's awesome mm-hmm. oh, I yeah it's, something it's like great. that that's and the, and they're usually fairly inexpensive like uh you could get the the little interface thing for 25 50 bucks maybe you know crazy like super nintendo or whatever well yeah yeah. i i know uh analog this company um they've got a new product out uh, called analog pocket and it's like a little game boy looking thing and a little game boy that thing looks amazing a bunch of uh yeah little portable games but one of them is the the turbo graphic 16 cartridges it'll fit right there Mm -hmm. that's how small they were back in the day uh, so uh, for those hardcore tuber graphic sixteen fans out there, hold on to your cards. <laughs> All three of you. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, well, we were talking about the Atari Jaguar, which I'm not sure was that even a CD based console or was that still cartridges? They, it was cartridges, and they did release a CD add on. Um, yeah, them and everybody else, like near the end of its life. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. With the Genesis. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. right. Well, that's a good segue, Jason, then to uh, talk about the <laughs> the Sega CD. Is that what it was? Yeah, that, uh, Sega CD. It was yeah. an adapter you could buy for your Sega Genesis. It plugged in, I believe, on top, or was that one on the bottom? Yeah. That no, one was, was on... I think, I think the was CD on was on the bottom. I think you're right. And yeah, the 32X because... was on top. Yeah. 32X, yes, you're See, right. Yeah. And yeah. right now, you have illustrated the reason that both of those failed, because even now... <laughs> yes. We cannot remember uh, which was which. Sega had a real problem with uh, market saturation, uh, mm-hmm. you know, competing with themselves. I think they were trying to get ahead of Nintendo, um, yes. as they did with the Genesis. They found you know a foothold in there because they were the first you know North American uh, 16-bit system you could buy that was worth anything. Uh, and they were like, "Well, we're going to do it again, but we got to be ahead of the game." So, uh, what's what's next big in game? Well, CDs. So uh, they released this Sega CD add-on for the Sega Genesis uh, that allowed you to, I guess, play CD-based games and maybe listen to CD music. But uh, I, I dare any one of you to name a Sega CD game. Go. Uh, the Sewer Shark. That's, that's the one I know of. That's the one I was going <laughs> to say. So I was much, like, it's yeah. like Tunnel Runner or yeah. Sewer something. <laughs> uh, what is this? I haven't heard of this game. I've never actually played it. I just know that it's a, uh, it's basically an interactive video. Like mm. it, it, you're, you're watching the movie and it's almost like, um, night almost stalkers. Like, uh, or, yeah. Night, kind night of, trap. Yeah. Night trap. That's what I'm thinking. Of. Night trap. Yeah. Where you basically just get a prompt on the screen every now and then, and you, you press the corresponding button to match that prompt to decide where, which way you're going to go. So yeah, I kind of like choose your own adventure. Like, yeah, like Dragon's Lair. Yeah. What, Dragon's what, Lair. what video was going to play next? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. This, yeah. Sewer Shark and... Okay, I name two. Do, 
uh seventh guest or 11th hour on that oh was that on or was that i know it came on pc but i don't remember if it was on any of the consoles i, I thought it was on sega uh, you uh, might but be i could right. be wrong no, you might, might be right well first of all those two games fucking showed up any everywhere like if your yes. system could uh-huh. run a cd uh they were gonna cram that game onto that system i think they're they're good games or at least they're remembered mm-hmm. uh but yeah they did not benefit uh from being down to 16-bit because uh you know, most no. computers look pretty good at no. computers but no, especially um, at the at console levels like yes two 256 by 150 or whatever the the resolution was on on consoles at that time yeah with a 15 four. frame yeah. per second rate four. if you're lucky very poor yeah uh so maybe a little too mm-hmm. ahead of the game mm-hmm. that time uh sega was with the cd but that didn't stop them because as we mentioned yeah they they released the sega 32x was a 32x is that what it was called yeah i believe so yeah but mm-hmm. but it was not cd based right it was still cartridge based cartridge based yep. yeah this was still cartridge yeah, so and it uh, was like it was this weird tower monstrosity thing that all built on top of the yeah the genesis it, and it, even the even the 32x cartridges were like stackable cartridges. Like it wasn't just oh really a game that went in there. You had the 32x, <laughs> and then that converted another game that you would sit on top of it. It was the most bizarre design, kind of like building a, a Lego mansion or something. Yes, exactly. They had the the Sega Genesis Classic that they that they just did. That when they sent it out, like review copies for uh, for the reviewers, they sent out. And a mini version of the CD and the mini version of the 32X mm. that all built onto this thing and stacked onto it, just like the original, you know, the original ones <laughs> did so on, weird. The, on the old console. But they never sold those separately. They they just did the the mini console itself. Well, yeah, because who has uh, who has any fond memories of that system? Nobody wanted the full size version of it, much less a mini size. I do not. Yeah, but yeah, it, it it stacks on top. It uh, it you you basically make a little Lego block, like you said, uh, and then mm-hmm. you play your games. And I guess it was like what's supposed to upraise your games to thirty two bits. I think kind of, sort of. I, I know the the big one that was on there. What was it? Sonic and Tails. Yeah, they were trying to launch it with like, Sonic game. Yeah, yeah. And the only way that you could get Tails was if you actually stacked the two cartridges on top of each other. Ah, so that you converted your Sonic game into the Sonic and Tails game. But didn't they have a whole other game that was already Sonic and Tails, <laughs> or maybe that came out afterwards? I think I think, that that, I think it came out afterwards. But yeah, it was all on the on the one cartridge at that point when they when they did that. Yeah, and then it, of course Tails is in everything now on all the all the subsequent ones. <laughs> yes, he is, yeah. uh, and in the subsequent movie coming soon to a mm-hmm. theater near you. Yeah, that was uh, that the beginning of Sega really taking what was a beloved character, Sonic the Hedgehog, and. Um, just using it to just rig him into the ground, using it to sell uh, other consoles, uh, and uh, they didn't stop there. They did it with uh, other consoles. But you know, we've been talking about Sega for a while. Let me veer off a little bit because uh, we were talking about ga- uh, game consoles that now run on CDs. You know, we talked about the Neo Geo was CD based. There was another one. We were the Jaguar, yeah, Jaguar. Was that CD based? I thought we determined that well, was they, cartridge based. No. Well, they had the they had the cart the CD add on, and even the Neo Geo was kind of the same. They were cartridge at first, and they had a CD add on. Ah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the first successful actual well successful console yeah, finger quotes. Was, uh, uh, what was it? The Saturn was that the mm. first? I think CD? I think PlayStation would be the the first CD. Yeah. The, the first successful CD one. Oh, did PlayStation was PlayStation out before the Saturn? It was, yeah, yeah. it was out uh, way back, really? almost in the Super Nintendo era, or at least near the uh, the end of that's life. 
right at uh, the end of it. Yeah, it just had wow. such long legs that we think of it as a, a more recent console. But uh, yeah, right, it was actually supposed to be uh, an add-on for the Super Nintendo, and then because Sony and, and Nintendo were working together on it, and then just for some reason, out of the blue, Nintendo decided, no, we don't want to do it, and they backed out. And Sony's like, well, we've got all this tech, so we might as well do something with it. Yep, and they. They, the Nintendo kind of screwed themselves, yes, I think. That was a, yeah. uh, a bad gamble on their end. Uh, one that they tried to correct with their own failed add-on, uh, the mm-hmm. Nintendo 64DD, right? For yep. disk yep. drive. Um, it Which was, I think it only ever came out in Japan. Yeah, it never came out in America. Uh, yeah. And they kind of begrudgingly released it in, in Japan. I think they kind of smelled mm-hmm. the flop that it was and wanted to at least cut their losses and, and move on as quickly as possible. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it was... What, I, I remember ever ever since, I believe, even the Super Nintendo era, there was always this little port that they would hide on the bottom of your console. And it was just, you know, it almost looked like a scuzzy uh, port or something. Yep. Uh, and there was always the problem. I remember it was kind of a secret. You know, before the the internet, you'd kind of read about this stuff or you'd, you'd have theories around the playground. Hey, if you take that little plastic clip off the bottom of your Super Nintendo, there's a, there's a way you could plug into it and jack into it. And that's how they're going to... They're yeah. going to sell a super duper Nintendo that'll stack on top. <laughs> uh, and that never came to be with the Super Nintendo uh, and it never happened with the uh, 64, at least in America. Um, but yeah, what what was... Uh, Jay, do you have any more uh, info about that? I remember hearing like a... I don't, I don't know if it was a rumor or if it was actually confirmed in a, in a magazine at some point, but I, I do remember reading about that in... That was kind of like this on the, on the NES... That was going to be you would basically plug in an adapter essentially to build the SNES out of it, mm, uh, and then they just decided instead of making the adapter, we'll just make it as a separate whole system. Oh, so it dated own. even back to the NES, huh? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then on the Super Nintendo, that was uh, that was where the CD was going to plug into when they when they were building on that. But of course, that never that never came to be. I, I, Nintendo's like the U.S. government; they they have. <laughs> They have technology that's that's twenty yeah. years out that we haven't even seen. Yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do like this era though, where, where where you're you're thinking of your consoles like as you said, like Lego pieces, where you're just kind of like mm-hmm. stacking them, and each piece adds another. Uh, uh, I mean, that's basically what a PC is, right? You know, back in the day, you, you'd buy your basically, PC yeah. as is. And then you'd mine it out and swap out a graphics card and maybe put a DVD drive in place of that CD. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I like where their heads were at. It just never really kind of worked all that well. And especially when the parents are the ones footing the bill. Like, how are you going to explain yes. to little Billy's mom that she needs to spend $200 to add something to what she already owns? Like, they're yep. not seeing the value there. And I would argue a lot of these added-on consoles, the, the consumers never saw the value in them either. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and they, 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 just... didn't, they didn't benefit from the past enough of the past generation being of involved enough yeah. uh, to, you know, carry it on. Like, yeah. you know, what, what would, uh, there would still be, you know, a lot of Xbox players and a lot of PlayStation players, but um, imagine if, you know, they, those people didn't get involved before then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, how, how the gaming landscape would be so much different. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with these with these add ons and stuff like that, the, they kind of have a stigma around them, you know, even today that if it's not included in the base hardware at the mm-hmm. beginning of the system's lifetime, 
then it's not going to be adopted yeah. by third parties in in the kind of numbers that it needs for it to be a standard. The the one exception, and even well, I say it's one exception. It wasn't even an exception. Was the the dual uh, well dual shock or the dual analog, whatever it was called when it first came out for the oh, yeah. PlayStation? There was only I think one, maybe two games released on the PlayStation out of like thousands. Really that actually needed the analog sticks. The rest of them, they all worked fine with just the D-pad and, oh, the, and the normal right. stuff. But then, of course, that became the standard. So going forward the, with the PS2 and, and now, that's the standard equipment. So everything uses it as, it, as, it's, as it's supposed to. Um, but yeah, things like the, the add-on CDs and the add-on 32Xs and <laughs> those just, they never got the software support because... Mm-hmm not enough people were buying them yeah, because they were just so much extra money. Yep. And it, it's a chicken and the egg situation, right? The developers don't want to mm-hmm. invest in something that isn't a sure bet. Uh, yep. And uh, the only way they would is if it had a consumer base and the consumers don't want it because there's no software for it. So uh, yep. it's a vicious yep. cycle. Uh, well, yeah, PlayStation was probably one of the most notable, the first notable CD-based system uh, and, and obviously a success at the time, but not the first one that I owned. I owned a uh, CD system called the Panasonic 3DO. Are you guys familiar with you that one? Owned no. one? Are you actually owned one? Holy crap. Well, now the reason I owned it, I will Money say. Money bags. No, it is not because <laughs> I plunked I was going to say you had a pool in your backyard too, didn't you? <laughs> I definitely was not that family. Um, no, it, it, I, I, I did not plunk down the six ninety nine to buy that system new. I bought it when uh, retailers like Babbage's and Electronic Boutique, when they were trying to get rid of inventory that they could not mm. sell, I bought mine for $99. Oh, uh, and the games were like damn. 5 to $10 a piece. Now compare that to, yes, wow. the original $700 price tag. And uh, I don't know, I guess the games were like 50 60 bucks at the time? Uh, yeah, I think at least. Right. But yeah. Uh, no, yeah, nobody bought on there. It was, it was kind of ridiculous to think anybody would. Um, it was actually... It, it was a neat, unique business model because uh, the 3DO wasn't specific to Panasonic. It was actually yep. licensable hardware um, that I think three different companies were making their own version mm-hmm. of this, this same hardware. It's all CD-based, and uh, it really seems like a weird concept because why would you build something um, that had built-in competition that like anybody could exactly. – you know, it wasn't proprietary. What's your selling point when somebody else can just undercut you? Uh, and so I think it fell prey to that, but uh, – I, I was the beneficiary uh, <laughs> of it failing because I got it for ninety nine bucks um, and and a slew of games and uh, man, I tell you the best thing about that thing, the thing that got the most use or that I got the most use out of it was as a screensaver. It had one of the coolest, <laughs> trippiest looking like you know when you just let it idle for a couple of minutes, it would if you were playing a music CD in there. It would do this kind of uh, color. It almost looked like a claymation, little color pieces coming at you. It was very rudimentary oh, at the time. Cool. But uh, I used that thing as a fucking CD player and would turn the TV on, smoke a little pot, and just like trip out <laughs> to the different colors as because it, it would synchronize with the music. And, uh, man, you, you think uh, you saw some shit in Wizard of Oz listening to Pink Floyd. <laughs> I, uh, I saw some colors listening to John Williams soundtracks. And the 3DO uh, screensaver uh, back in uh, college days. So that was a good time. But yeah, I, I owned um, Wing Commander. You remember that uh, Mark Hamill mm-hmm. weird yep. live action slash computer animated game? 
Uh, actually, not bad. Some pretty good acting in there and, and a great mm-hmm. little kind of choose-your-adventure game. Uh, what else did I own for that? Yeah, that was probably the most notable thing. Uh, but yeah, cannot recommend the 3DO. Definitely a uh, reason that it failed. Wow, that's that's odd. Just crazy. I don't know that I've ever known anybody that's actually owned one of those. That's I still got awesome. it. I still got it, man. It's in a it's in a box in the other room uh, oh, that I used to display. That's awesome. uh, yeah, to, uh, man. If I would have known it was such a uh, conversation piece, I would have whipped it out and had it ready for this uh, mm-hmm. podcast. Maybe I'll take a picture of it, right? put it on the Facebook page for our listeners. Panasonic Video. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think I think you're right. The the whole licensed hardware or licensed design of the hardware it sounds good in concept but i I think that really contributed to its downfall beyond just the the price and everything just because you're right there there's there's built-in competition with other manufacturers and the manufacturers making the hardware aren't getting a cut of the software sales so what's their incentive to really do anything with it and that that kind of is the same thing that happened um you know, a few years back when Valve, when they did their, they wanted to do their Steam machine. Oh, their which own was, box. That's right. Yeah. And they, they kind of went the same route. They were just like, any computer that can run Steam, you can call it a Steam machine. And so there was just a flood of these computers come to the market saying, these are our Steam machines. This is our Steam machine. And it, it had prices from... $300 on up to like $5,000. What? And it's like, yeah. And it's like, if you want to sell to a market that's looking to buy something, you know, for, for their kid or even just for themselves, they're not going to want to go out and compare spec sheets and look at prices right. and, and see, you know, a thousand different models of something to try to figure out what they want to buy. They just want to go and buy the, the Nintendo, the, the right. PlayStation, you know? So it's like, you, you need to, you need to focus your efforts on <laughs> yeah. one, maybe two things. And I, I would only say two things just because it kind of worked out this generation with the, like the PS4 pro and the, and the Xbox. Um, yeah. What do they call it? it? The, the series Xbox X. X. Yeah, uh, yeah. The Xbox, Xbox one X. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. So they, they kind of had the mid mid cycle upgrade. And so they had two SKUs out there now and that I can kind of see working, but you know, when you just, let it free for all like that. There's yeah. just, and it, and ugh, it, it muddies the brand the too, because, uh, you mm-hmm. know, you, 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 when I buy a, a console, when I buy a PS five, I, I know that all the games that are made for PS five are going to run on this. Um, yes. W- w- but if you're buying a steam machine, I guarantee you that the $5,000 box is going to have you a completely different experience than the $300 box. Uh, yes, but they both have that absolutely. logo on there, and it just kind of confuses the consumer. Yeah, 100%. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, one more I'll throw out there, as long as we're talking like CD-based uh, systems that failed. Uh, another one from the 90s, the Philips CDI. Yeah. Yeah. Now, oh, you know this one? Jason, you know this one? Just just the rumors of how poor it was. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, it was. You, you, you know, there. Uh, Philips isn't known for a whole lot. Um, especially a whole lot of quality. Yeah, yeah. They make um, light bulbs, right? They yeah, refrigerators. Yeah, light, light, light bulbs and really cheap TVs. Yes. Um, uh, you know, uh, so trusting them with a a game system that would prove fun, entertaining, um, <laughs> just the the uh, the the chances are very poor. Yes, uh, and yeah. and they proved it. The crazy thing was when it came out the the controller that came with it was basically just like a TV remote. 
or a, or a CD remote. Oh, yeah. So yeah. it wasn't like an actual gamepad controller. And you were expected to play games with this little TV remote looking thing. And it's like, okay. <laughs> I, Those were I, old, I, old remotes from TVs that didn't sell that were repurposed. <laughs> there, was somebody, there was somebody probably. at Philips that got a raise or a bonus for that. You're probably right. Yep. Uh, you are you are probably right. But the thing that made it notable, um, even though the hardware sucked, was for some reason they were able to uh, strike this deal with Nintendo, Nintendo. and had some yes. Nintendo characters and properties in their games. There were these four games that were made only for the CDI. Uh, Hotel Mario, Zelda, mm-hmm. The Wand of Gamelon, Link, yep. The Faces of Evil, and Zelda's Adventure. And they were all kind of like animated games right kind of in the same way as uh you know dragon's lair or like we talk about night mm-hmm. trap but they did not this did not look like dragon's lair like dragon's lair yeah. was made by don bluth who made feature films uh these guys look like they got kicked out of saturday morning cartoon oh, i was gonna say like these were like rejected saturday morning cartoons it was bad they're embarrassing nintendo has tried to bury this as much as possible uh but thanks to the internet you can still find gifts of uh link uh, mm-hmm. a horrible looking animated link uh, from these games that uh, were on the Philips CDI. If, if you want a good laugh, there's a there's a a couple of guys that are called they go by Game Grumps on uh, YouTube, uh-huh. and they did a whole playthrough of the three Zelda oh, no. CDI games, and just the descent into madness of the <laughs> of the main guy trying to play these games oh, and the no. frustration that he has. It's hilarious, and you you feel the pain <laughs> as he's every time he dies, and you just hear him die a little bit inside. <laughs> it's so great. Oh man, yeah, but I guess it was Nintendo trying to get back into this CD based game. Uh, mm-hmm. They they blew it with Sony, uh, and then realized, oh, maybe we should have uh, kept them on. So scrambled around, found a partner. Their their own uh, disk drive failed, so um, they figured, what could you lose? And uh, yeah, I, I don't know how much the Philips CDI cost. I think it was another one of these four or five hundred dollars systems mm-hmm. back at a time when uh, you know the Super Nintendo was two hundred and fifty dollars, and and consumers weren't having it. Yep. Mm-hmm. The other part about that was the the way that that controlled instead of the normal like the PlayStation way or the even the three DO way, where it would actually cache your movements and everything, your your controls in memory. Yeah. This thing, I want to say it had to have been designed not as a game system to begin with. I think it was designed as like a movie player. A menu that system. Just, uh-huh. Yes, that just happened to have some interactive elements on it. And wow. because every time you would click a direction or click a button to go somewhere, it would have to spin the disc to read what, what? the... What the min- what the movement was that it was going to be doing, Holy and then it shit. would do it. So you had to like for playing these games, you had to start like making your moves a second or two ahead of time, just so that it would be in time for what's happening on the screen. Yeah, that, that's how I like playing my video games. I have to prognosticate what's going to happen mm-hmm. on screen and react yeah. accordingly. Uh, you know. <laughs> Although it, it did have Mindshare, because I do remember seeing like mm-hmm. some infomercials and some uh, some commercials for the the CDI and thinking, yep. man, if only I had expendable money, I could play this animated Mario game. Uh, but yep. luckily, I was I was spared that, as I think we yes. all were. 
there's a dodge a bullet moment there. <laughs> Mario in Hotel California. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing like a leisure suit Larry type mashup. That's what it feels like. Uh, Mario in lapels. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing on underneath. (laughs) It's a me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Uh, All right. Well, uh, we've bagged on these no names uh, long enough. Let's get back to Sega because they weren't done crapping up. Uh, their console plans. Uh, I don't know which one to go. Well, you know what? Let's let's talk about let's talk about the Dreamcast because the Dreamcast. I, I, not- notably, this is not on Wikipedia's list of failed consoles. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, there's probably some wiki war going on between uh, posters. Somebody <laughs> keeps adding it and somebody keeps removing it. But uh, it was uh, actually a decent system, like ahead of its time kind yes, of system. Absolutely, right. It just didn't have the development behind it. There was exactly. Exactly. Yeah, there, there was no, there was, there was great execution on the hardware, yeah. uh, and then everything else after that, it seemed like it was an afterthought or was trying to be scraped together real quick right. to, yeah. you know, get a game out the door. Yeah, um, and I, I think the real damage to Sega as a brand, as a as the console manufacturer, was done with the Saturn, right? Because they were, it was so difficult to work with, it was so expensive to to develop for, to buy as a consumer and even for Sega to manufacture them. So when they got to the Dreamcast, that mind share had already just yeah. left. Yep. And it was, you know, the PS2 was on the horizon. The, you know, the N64 was still doing pretty good. The PlayStation was still doing pretty good. Yep. So all the mindset, the mind share was with Nintendo and Sony at this point, And Sega just kept, on the gradual steady decline throughout yeah. the whole that whole era. Yeah. We we'd been burnt by too many Sega consoles by this point uh to have yeah. faith in this one. Uh but you're right. I think in uh, retrospect, hindsight being what it is, uh people kind of loved the Dreamcast. It was ahead of mm-hmm. its time. Uh it was one of the first home consoles that had an emphasis on like online gaming, right? Yep. That was kind of built in out of the box. Uh yep. compact, looks sleek. I have one of those as well. Do you guys own mm-hmm. a Dreamcast? I don't anymore, but I used to, yeah. And I, I actually got one when they were like $50 at Best yeah. Buy. Yeah, me too. I yeah. think I want to say I paid even 99 for mine, uh, mm-hmm. but also a steep sale from what probably the two ninety nine they were charging at launch. Um, yep. But yeah, it was a great little... I actually bought it uh, specifically to burn every Atari 2600 game onto a CD, and that's how I was playing awesome. old uh, 2600 games on my on my Dreamcast. But they had some great. Wasn't Panzer Dragoon like that was the a Dreamcast Dragoon, exclusive? Yeah. Uh, they, on there. they had um, the new Sonic game. They had that Knights Knights yeah. into Dreams, right? Yep. So there yep. Was, there were some good games to be had, but uh, yeah, you're right. Too many failed consoles. Too much competition at the time, uh, and famously, um, kind of shot themselves in the foot with the uh, the announcement. Um, they had a cool release date, uh, September 9th, 1999. So it was 9999. Yep. Oh, yeah. The only mm. problem was they announced the system on the same day that it became available, right? So it was like they had one of these Steve Jobs oh, like that. press Holy conferences shit. where it was like, yes. hey, we're announcing it. Here, it's coming. And it's available today. It's Look under your now. seat. Everybody had that. one under their seat. Um and it turns out you really need uh, time to to prepare to market for that Build stuff. Build hype. You can't yeah. just drop that stuff. And it's telling that to this day, 
nobody's done that anymore. I mean, I'm sure yeah. Apple or some hell, even Nintendo. Nintendo came close with the announcement of the Switch. Like they announced it in, yeah, in November, they, and then like four months later in March, you could go yeah. pick one up. That's that's Nintendo though. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's kind um, of the 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 closest anybody's really come now though. Is like three or four month lead time. Six weeks, I think, is the shortest I've ever seen. But it's well, like, and they they just they just realize now that they can play up hype. They can yeah. hype and hype of course. and hype and you know yeah. build build ad revenue from clicks and mm-hmm. you know ev- yeah. everything everything throughout the the marketing process has been monetized even more than it was before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it happens, you know, at, at a click of a button now, instead of, you know, somebody having to see a commercial on TV or see an ad or a billboard or somebody talk to them, you know, That's right. wait um, a month for the game magazine to come out that announces it. And yeah. Yeah. And, and what you want on that day one of sales is for those things to be snatched up and they become, immediately unavailable like uh, a cabbage yeah. patch kid exactly yes. because then it's like yes. oh we can't nobody can find one. Oh, they must be good this is the new hot thing and then you end up with a, a situation where they're constantly sold out here we are almost um what nine months in eh, six seven months in to ps5 and xbox x and they're still kind of difficult to come by still yeah still difficult maybe to find some them. more of the ps5 than the xboxes uh yeah. but uh yeah and i don't want to say that that's I don't think they're holding back, but I think they've done a cost analysis and realized, hey, we don't need to hurry up and ramp up and and ship 5 million of these things. We can slowly roll them out a million units at a time every month. People are going to snatch them up. They're going to become scarce. People are going to – it's that impulse buy. I got to admit, when I see one uh, show up in my Twitter feed where it's like, hey, Best Buy has restocked PlayStation 5, I don't want to spend $500. But for that split second, I'm like, oh, shit, this is my opportunity. Uh-huh. If I really want uh-huh. one, I could do it right now. Maybe I should scalp it. Maybe I should hold on to it. Same same thing with the Ryzen processors. I'm on, <laughs> so, I'm on you go. So, many, so many wait lists. I'm, so, I'm waiting for those the 5000 series. I want them to hit stock somewhere so that mm-hmm. I can get one because I need to upgrade my system. But uh-huh. I can't find them anywhere. Yeah. What you don't want to do is surprise consumers, release a console, and them to just be sitting on shelves while people slowly discover yes. what it is. Uh, yes. And that's sadly what happened to the Sega Dreamcast. Mm-hmm. Get yours today on eBay. <laughs> All right. It's, it's funny because it's like prior to the, I guess prior to the Wii, mm-hmm. every console that came out that I wanted to get, I would just go get it on launch day. It was no problem to, to pick it up. But for some reason, the Wii, and I don't know why, because everybody that talked about it always bagged on it because it was this weird new thing with the, <laughs> with the waggle controls and stuff like that. But for some reason, I was like, you know what? I need to get one on launch day. <laughs> I haven't pre-ordered one. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to sit in line Did overnight. You? No way. Yes. It's the only time I've ever done it. And I actually got one on launch day and, and for, you know, for like two years after that, they were hard to get Yes, because everybody wanted a Wii. I was like, well, I'm glad I did that because holy shit. Yeah. When I finally saw them available in target, uh, it was like maybe six months after they were released. I bought two of them and I didn't even know who that second one was going to go to, but I knew Mm -hmm. I could find somebody in my circle of friends who was looking for a Wii that I could maybe, uh, sell to potentially at face value uh mm-hmm. maybe maybe mm-hmm. a little bit of profit depends on how bad they want it right yeah yeah a little bidding well, I mean, you, got your, you got your how you got your fuel close cost. That circle they are yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah are you an outer ring are you an out inner ring right <laughs> 
20 bucks every ring. <laughs> That's <know>? right. <laughs> Just like a tree. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm looking through our list here. Which one haven't we talked about? Well, I. Oh, how about the Virtual Boy? I was going to uh, say. Virtual speaking boy. of Nintendo. Okay. Well, uh, they, they did have a hit with the Wii on their hands, but uh, it was not the case back in, what, 1999, maybe? 90. Eight? I think 98. Oh, I th- I th- I Actually. Wait a minute. I think it was before that. It was I much it was sooner like, than actually, that. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right. It was like like ninety four, ninety five. No, you're yeah. right because it was featured in that movie, The Wizard, with uh-huh. uh, Freddie Savage, uh, yep. and there was that one cool kid who had the power glove. Yes, um, and he was going to play with his Virtual Boy. That's right. I forgot about that. You know, uh, I was working at, at Blockbuster when those came out. Oh, really? And we had we had yeah we had them on like a display shelf to. And I remember playing a few times. Uh, oh, demo the demo system, yeah. How was it? It was horrible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was like I I had done VR at like one of the the old arcade systems, like when you had that gigantic thing that would go on your head, and you had the oh yeah the whole thing you had to strap yourself into so that you didn't like fall over. Yeah, you look like a Tom uh, Cruise from Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I had done that, and even back then, like when it was so like low resolution, low polygon, and not in, not realistic at all, not in color, right? It was weird this this kind of weird black and red display. Yeah, yeah, but but yeah, but like even even like the actual VR that was so terrible at the time was so far beyond what this Virtual Boy was because oh. the Virtual Boy was basically just like looking at almost like a screen with uh, a couple of like those 3d glasses, like the red and blue 3d glasses on Oh yeah. that it would just pop off the screen a little bit. Um, but then, yeah, it was all like in red. There was no other colors to it <laughs> and it had no motion control. So you couldn't look around. You were just staring straight at the screen. So it was, it was almost like, almost like what you got with the 3ds as far as with a little bit of stuff popping out of the screen every now and then, huh. but that was about as far as it went. Yeah, I, I have heard. I've never played one myself. Never saw it in the wild. Um, were, were they expensive? I, I think they were. They were like ninety nine bucks. I was gonna say. I, I want to say they were like one ninety nine or something like that. Ninety nine yeah. or one ninety nine, yeah. somewhere around there. That's not bad, but I, I mean, when you can get a Nintendo console for mm-hmm. one ninety nine or a Game Boy for ninety nine, uh, yeah. I could see why people would put their well earned money there instead of the unproven Virtual Boy. That uh, yeah, even to this day, very, um, very single player. Yes. Very, very also, yeah, not a lot of co-op games uh, for the Virtual Boy. Yeah, yeah, and it was just awkward to use because it, it it wasn't like a, a normal VR or even even the the those headset screens that they had at the time that were just a basically a TV screen in front of your face. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't have any kind of head strap, so it just sat on the table, had like a little tripod that it was on. And you just put your face up to it and looked into it. <laughs> That's weird. So there was like, there was no portability. There was no anything to it. It was just, it was a lots bizarre of ice, choice. Lots of yeah. eye strain and neck mm-hmm. pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was a bizarre choice. And they've carried it over with the with the Labo VR. Like it doesn't have the head strap on it. You got to hold it up to your face. Oh, that's right. Wow, the Virtual Boy lives on in Wii U mm-hmm. Labo or uh, uh, Switch Labo. That's Switch right. Labo. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, now, um, now, why were they in Blockbusters? Were they renting them out there, or could you actually buy one? 
yeah you could rent it out you could rent it out and uh, obviously the games you could rent as well but at the time yeah they had system rentals that you could do any any huh. of the systems that they had games for you could rent them and uh that's actually where i got my uh, my first taste of playstation uh was working there as well huh. um and of course when final fantasy 7 started coming out that's like okay now i gotta buy a playstation because i need final fantasy 7 yep, there you go never had uh, that pull with the uh, virtual boy though huh <laughs> No, didn't make no, that impression. Uh, Jason, do you ever play no. uh, Virtual Boy? Ever seen it anywhere? Uh, in fact, uh, I worked at Toys R Us oh. uh, when those came out. Um, so yeah, I I tried to play it on breaks. Uh, you know, when it when it came out, it just it wasn't enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was it was an interesting concept because yeah. there was nothing else like, like it. it. Yeah, um, for a reason. But it sounds other, like. Yeah, for, absolutely. I'm I'm sure that you know Sony or somebody had had done something similar, and they were like, "Ah, this ain't gonna work." And <laughs> Nintendo was like, "Hey, hold my beer, yeah, um, <laughs> or sake or whatever." Um, yes. And uh, uh, you know that's how we got the Virtual Boy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it just not not a great experience. Yeah, if you're not gonna have like a demo setup of your new product you got to make sure that that demo is actually going to entice people to want to buy like i wonder if they would have not had a demo just had this nintendo icon on the side of a box and say hey it's a new greatest and latest you're going to buy it because it's nintendo they might have sold more if, unless it might have instead yeah. of letting we might people be on virtual boy three there you go yeah, yeah. <laughs> virtual man he would just <laughs> right it'd be virtual teen and then virtual man <laughs> don't okay. google that uh, uh yeah yeah don't, don't don't google that um I, yeah i think you're right because there are very few games anymore as far as nintendo um actually make it to those kiosks like that unless it's like a surefire like a mario, a mario. or something that they know people are going to be familiar with they know people mm-hmm. are going to enjoy super smash brothers yes. or you know uh, yeah yeah although as long as we're talking nintendo uh and failed consoles they haven't had a lot of them uh, the Virtual Boy was one, and probably their next biggest high-profile one uh, was the console that preceded the very popular Nintendo Switch, which was the very unpopular Nintendo Wii U, um, Wii U which I own it. I love it. It's one of my favorite consoles, actually. As do I. Yeah. yeah. Jay's As got one. I. Jason, you ever played a Nintendo Wii U? Uh, I have played a Wii U. Um, not a whole lot, but, you know, innovative. That That was... During the uh, uh, Obama administration, right, and they were doing that ex- exercise push, and oh, that's you know, right. is it, the you know the the, the Wii U really helped, uh, you know, just like Pokemon Go, uh, yep. you know, all of these fitness app trackers, they they went off the roof with all of their stats when Pokemon Go came out because yep. everybody and their dog was running around trying to find Pokemon. Yep. Um, you yep. know, so uh, again, I, th- I I think they they had an innovative idea. They implemented it pretty well. Uh, they broke a lot of TVs and lights <laughs> and ceiling fans. Yes. Um, you know, injured a lot, a lot of people. Um, but those people were having fun when they were doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, as as much as it could be considered a failure, I think it would be just because it is not a traditional game mm. system where you know you just sit on the couch and tap, tap some buttons you know there's yeah. some 
coordination uh, and stamina and yeah. all sorts of stuff involved. Now, I, I got to um, clarify, because you're talking about the Nintendo Wii, like the standard Wii, the motion control based one, right? Right, yeah. right. Oh, the, that's oh, that's not even the U. I missed yeah, one. Yeah, I'm talking about the yeah the Wii U, which is the one that came afterwards. You may not even be aware of it. That's how uh, I, <laughs> unpopular I think that, it was. That kind of solidifies the the what how I believe is the main was. problem. Yeah, that, yeah. That, you, you proved why it was unpopular because people yes. got it confused with the the original Wii, which I yeah, think I'm, was a I, hit. I'm I'm glad I could be an example. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> No, that, yeah, that, no it, that first real quick was, that that first Wii was was a huge hit. It sold over like a hundred million units, uh, even though yeah. it was very unconventional. And I think you know people who bought PS3 or Xbox 360 at the era, like those are completely different type of gamer. Uh, right, I think the right. Wii U was their attempt to kind of maybe win some of them back, but still hold on to the success they'd found with the Wii. Jay, tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying. That it, it illustrates the problem that they tied it so closely to the Wii by calling it the Wii U and doing kind of the same look, you know, it was kind of modeled the same. It would kind of had the same kind of advertising done for it. Yeah. Sleek. So it, anybody who actually saw it would not be crazy to think that it was just like a peripheral that you would add onto your Wii. Yeah. You know, not like a whole separate system, whole new upgraded system. It was just something that you would add to your Wii, but for $300. And so it goes back to the whole problem of the peripherals. Like, who's going to spend $300 for something that's probably not going to have a whole lot of, you know, third party support. So, yeah. you know, not even going to bother it. Oh God. Yeah. No, the, the, the marketing on it was terrible. The, the software itself was great. Well, yeah. Um, for, well, for the most part, there was, there was some stinkers. Well, but... I would say the first party software was great. Yes, uh, like yes, all the, the all the Nintendo, uh, Wii U software titles. Yeah. And, it's a testament now because you're seeing them all being ported onto Switch. I think, you know, yeah. the, the Switch really benefited from those five years of failed Nintendo Wii U sales uh, yeah. because Nintendo's cranking out these great games, uh, you know, Super Mario 3D World, New Super Mario Brothers Wii U. Um, mm -hmm. What was the Zelda game for that? Uh, maybe not Skyward Sword. Um, uh, well, Skyward Sword was for the Wii. That was Wii um, as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. yeah. Breath of the Wild was supposed to be the Wii U big mm -hmm. title. Uh, yep. and, they, and it came as a cross-platform. That's right, because they just pulled the plug on the Wii U early and said, you know what, we're going to release it on Wii U and Switch at the exact same time. I actually own it on the Wii U first. Uh, before, oh, wow. Yeah, exactly, before uh, buying a Switch version. That's where I played it for the first time. I got to admit, I almost like it better on the Wii U, because um, you're not sacrificing anything graphics-wise. It's pretty comparable. Mm -hmm. And the whole... Jason, have you played uh, Breath of the Wild, Legend of Zelda? Yeah, in, in, in fact, this is starting to refresh my memory because ah. I had to get a Wii U emulator mm -hmm. uh, ah. in order to play Breath of the Wild. That's right. Um, well, the so... Yes, now now it's it's all becoming clear. The the whole Sheikah slate, like the design of the Sheikah slate, is basically a, a one to one for the little Wii U gamepad that you were the supposed to tablet, use and yeah. play with. So right. it made a lot more sense that oh, I'm holding this tablet uh, that does these things and it, it's transferring uh, on screen, um, right. which, which was simultaneously its strength and its weakness because, like yeah. you said. Uh, people didn't understand what it was. It had the Wii name in it, which, Jay, like you're saying, people are associating with motion control and, and unconventional mm -hmm. gameplay. Uh, but it wasn't. All the games for it were pretty standard, uh, except yeah, for this touchscreen. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't like the Switch where it's like, oh, I'm just going to pick up this tablet and I'm going to play on the tablet. You couldn't yeah. leave the house. You had to be within proximity of 
this big brick of a unit that still had to be yeah, connected like to a, a TV. Like a close proximity too. Like it, it wasn't a Wi-Fi thing. It was like yeah, Bluetooth RF. I don't even know that it was Bluetooth because <laughs> when when I was in uh, up in Portland, the the TV that we had where the where the Wii was sitting on was maybe thirty feet at the most, like at the absolute most into the kitchen straight line no obstructions and i couldn't even walk into the kitchen and oh, wow. still have a connection on the tablet i Ooh. could get maybe halfway there i don't know what technology maybe it was bluetooth 1.0 but yeah it did not maybe have the range yeah um yeah but uh some of my favorite games came out on on wii u and like like mm-hmm. you said now you can buy them all on switch so um if you missed that train there's no point in getting on the track now in fact it's getting really hard to find wii u game pads uh, resale because once they die, once they fail on you, it it basically bricks your console because you need Pretty that gamepad, yeah, to to fire up yeah. to choose selections. Um, yep. I don't think there are any games you can play without that gamepad working. Uh, which is yeah, really weird. you can you can play games without the gamepad. Like as far as you can play them with like the pro controller and, and sure, sure, like that. but you have but to have you that still game have, pad to have the gamepad working to fire it yeah. up. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah that's, uh, that sounds like a design flaw. <laughs> yes. Um, I kept getting frustrated in some of the games when they would try to like Star Fox uh, Zero uh, was one of the prime examples of game. it, where it's like you have to use both the gamepad screen mm-hmm. and the TV screen because they were trying to do what they did with the 3DS, where it had the top yes. screen and the bottom screen, which is fine when it's just two screens yes. sitting right in front of your Inches face. Inches away, when it's handheld. Yes. Yeah, but when you're like looking at a screen ten feet away, plus this little screen here in front of you, and you have to keep looking up and down and doing it, it's like it doesn't work as well. Mm-hmm. And well, they want you to they, be an F sixteen pilot. Yeah, <laughs> I, think they, I think that was that was part of the 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 problem with it too. That they just they tried to force that control scheme uh, too much yeah. for some of the games. Um, and I remember they were talking about with like Breath of the Wild when it was still in development. That was going to be kind of the deal, but it wasn't going to be so much having to always look down at the screen and then look up at the TV. The little screen was going to be like your inventory. Yes, and you would only That's look down when you needed yeah. to switch out the yeah when you needed to switch out the uh, the weapons that you wanted to use or whatever. That was the only time you were going to look down. And there was a game that came out early on in the in the Wii U called Zombie U or. Oh yeah. yeah, Zombie U. Yeah, um, and it was in a Ubisoft game. Hmm. Um, and they've subsequently released it on PS4 and PC and all that stuff. But when it came out, it was exclusive to the to the Wii U, and it had that same kind of deal. And it was it was tense because you every time you had to look into your backpack to pull out something all this stuff was still coming at you on the screen. <laughs> so it's like you were literally like you were the person having to look down in your backpack and grab what you needed to grab and then get back up on there and, yeah. and beat a zombie with a baseball bat or something. <laughs> um, so cool. it, it works in a, in a situation like that. I can, you know, something that builds that tension, but Oh, when they, that star Fox zero was just like, yeah, I hated that. If game. you wanted to fly in first person, you had to, Hold up your pad and aim it around where you wanted it to go. Yeah, the look on Jason's oh. face right now, listeners. I wish you could see it because it says it all. Yeah. He's like equal parts yeah. disbelief and horror. Yeah, it's just so awkward and <laughs> unnecessary, uh, mm. poorly implemented. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if if uh, if it's done right, you know, you you have a controller with the screen. That's your map. That's your inventory. Right. That's you know, uh, uh, text 
you know, mm-hmm. or or you know, whatever. Something supplemental yeah. to the game. Yes, supplemental. Yes, Absolutely. it's something that adds to the game but doesn't distract mm-hmm. from playing the game. Absolutely. Yes. Um, yes. I'm sure there's uh, you know people that that study some sort of behavioral how that would interact and you know, enhance the experience. Uh, but obviously they just didn't do enough research. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you had yeah. one job, game designers. <laughs> one job. Yeah. Uh, well, as Wii U wasn't a traditional handheld, uh, as we mentioned, it needed that console to run. Uh, but one thing we haven't talked about so far in this failed consoles episode uh, are failed handheld consoles. Themselves, uh, yeah. There are uh, maybe not quite as many, uh, but we did go through quite a slew, um, you know, that don't have the notoriety of the Game Boy or the Nintendo DS, uh, or even the the, uh, the Sega Game Gear at the time. Um, I wasn't a fan of that myself, but I think that sold fairly well and was like one of the first, uh, yeah. color, first color uh, handhelds ones. that you could yeah. buy, right? Even though it only lasted like thirty minutes on a eight batteries. Yes, and, and yeah. that was the problem that had, uh, and its its subsequent handheld, the Sega Nomad also suffer mm. from that uh released mm. in 1995 uh it, it basically was like a sega genesis a handheld so it was a great concept right uh nintendo would later do that with the um game boy advance game right boy as advance. it was called yep. basically a little super nintendo in a handheld form uh, so yep. sega beat him to that at that point looked great ran great but yeah as you said it, that thing gobbled up uh double a batteries i think it had like maybe a four hour battery life uh yeah. tops which Sounds like a lot until you're having to buy those AA batteries. Yeah, um, and, and when you when you compare it to like what they did with the with the super with the Game Boy Advance, it was like yeah, you could go weeks on a battery, like two AA batteries in the in the Game Boy Advance, mm-hmm. and on the regular Game Boy, you could go weeks on like four AA batteries. Oh yeah, so it was like it was nuts just how drastic of a difference it was. Yeah, it was one of these things where um, there's that delicate balance, right? There's uh, has the technology caught up to the point where uh, we can release a product that consumers will make compromises with? Yeah, that first Game Boy, you're right, black and white, tiny screen, only had two buttons, weighed a, a pound, like I think it was a brick, mm-hmm. could injure somebody yeah. if you toss it across yeah. a room. Uh, but you you could play Tetris on that thing on a six yeah. hour flight cross country and still have uh, juice to spare. Um, the, the alternative was uh, the little uh, bubble ring <laughs> that runs oh, on yes. no power. I mean, runs on the power yeah, that, of water that, yeah. and the power of your imagination, basically, because <laughs> you could pretend you were having a good time playing those shitty yeah. games. Yeah, that, that was that, well, that was its only competition, and, yeah, and mm-hmm. Game Boy beat it handedly. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's only so many times you can try to get that little basketball through the hoop in water, and I find myself like turning it upside down trying to cheat. Uh, Things were the fucking worst, but hey, they were five ninety nine at Walmart, right? Right. <laughs> Any of you guys ever uh, play a Sega Nomad? I don't remember ever doing a Sega Nomad. I I had the game. I didn't have the Game Gear. I had a friend of mine that had a Game Gear. I played that. I don't remember if anybody I knew had a Nomad. What about the uh, Atari Lynx? As long as we're talking handhelds, you remember that one? I do remember that one. Yeah, and I actually uh, toyed with the idea of purchasing one of those when they when they had come out. I think I had gone to like a, a Walmart or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. It might've even been like a Mervin's or something at the time and actually had one in my hand and was walking through the store, looking at other things and on my way to buy this thing. And for some reason I just, I was like, you know what? No, I, 
I, wow. It lost you then, on the way to the checkout aisle. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I think the, the memories of, of the, the Jaguar started flooding back and, uh-huh. and, the, and the memories of like the, even though I loved the old Atari, like the later on in the Ataris, like the 7,800 and the 5,200. Mm-hmm. And then it was just like this shitty game after shitty game that was yes. coming out. And that kind of led to the downfall of the, of the video game market here in America. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just like, nah, and I set it back as I was, I was this close though to, to actually pick, picking one up. <laughs> I, I did appreciate the naming scheme though, of Atari systems back then. They had this whole big Indeed. cat jungle cat thing big going cats. on the Lynx yes. and the Jaguar and who knows how far they would have taken that. The Puma. The I saw that, yeah, I saw there was one that was it was canceled. It never actually made it to market, but it was called the Panther. So that the was Panther. That's was, right. I remember that, that one. Yeah, yeah. The Atari Cougar. Yeah, <laughs> forty and over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, add yourself to the list of uh, many other people who do did not make it to the checkout aisle with the Atari. Yeah. List. I don't believe that sold yeah. well, uh, and rightfully yeah. so. Uh, and then finally, I'm going to just go to this last uh, handheld entry, uh, a more recent one uh, by... This one kind of surprises me, but I can see it. Oh, you, yeah. Are we talking about the same one? Are we talking about the PlayStation Vita? Vita, yep. Yeah. Yep. Which you would think after the PSP, uh, which was fairly successful, right? I think people like that. Yeah. Um, taking mm-hmm. that. Sony taking that PlayStation brand uh, and just bringing it to the handheld market, which was a natural. Nintendo had done it before, basically showed them the way. Uh, they found a way to take their properties, and uh, I, I think by this point they had the uh, Square Enix Final Fantasy catalog, right? So there's a built-in yep. audience right there. Um, yep. So what went wrong with the PlayStation Vita, um, which was basically I, a, like a PS2 in handheld form, right? It was, yeah, it was basically a, a PS2 in your hands, and I don't honestly know what went so wrong with it because it it just never got the developer attention that it needed to take off. Mm-hmm. I think it was relatively expensive yes. um, compared to like the 3DS. It was definitely more expensive than the 3DS. Um, didn't last as long with batteries and, and, and the developer, the third party support. That's yeah. the only things I can think of that really contributed to the downfall. I think, cause it was, otherwise it was a great system itself. Yeah. Um, and even, even today, like I, you know, I've, I've modded Joe's to put, emulators on it so that he can play oh. all the old systems and stuff and it's powerful enough Dude. to play like uh, i think up to playstation and even a little bit of n64 really that's cool that. yeah and to have that handheld it's like that's that's cool that's you know? I, I would actually buy it for that that's that's go for that yeah. enticing to me but, yeah but yeah when it came out at the time i think you're right it was like maybe 200 or, or uh, 299 uh, I and, think so, and yeah. when your home yeah. consoles were just as expensive, I mean, we've finally gotten over that, right? Like people don't expect your smaller iPhone to be cheaper just because it's smaller than the competition, smaller, right, like, right? You know, right. smaller doesn't necessarily mean cheaper nowadays. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, ten years ago, if my PS3 cost four hundred dollars, uh, I don't want my handheld to cost you know <laughs> close to the same. It's got to be comparably sized to. Uh, match the yeah. physical size yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, one of the things i hear uh all the time now is like you know people have no problem spending like a thousand dollars on a phone but ask for five hundred dollars for a console and it's like what the fuck yeah there's so it's much like, more too yeah 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 no it's there's there's definitely the, a shift in that in that mindset as far as portable things costing more and people yeah. are okay with that now mm-hmm 
I do remember them marketing the hell out of it, though, and doing a lot of yes. cross-promotion. Uh, yes. when, when House of Cards, that Kevin Spacey uh, political show, debuted on Netflix, mm. they had some sort of deal with uh, <laughs> PlayStation, but specifically the Vita, where they had yeah. to like work it into the scripts. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason's, again, f- showing what we're all feeling with your scrunched yeah. face because... <laughs> It would just be random scenes where they would try to squeeze in a PS. Like all of a sudden, Kevin Spacey's character now has to be into video games, and so any opportunity they they get to show him at home playing a video game, he even like strikes up a a, a awkward conversation with another character's son. Be like, "Oh, is that a new PS Vita? I have to get me one of those for the limo." It was embarrassingly oh bad, um, oh and, I, and I think stuff like that can hurt brands more than help yeah. them, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Especially if it's done obviously so poorly, ham-handedly like, yeah. like that. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that always stuck out to me, and I'll always remember it. And I've never played a PS Vita. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I love the ones when it's like the kid playing an obvious Game Boy, like an old school Game Boy, mm-hmm. but it has like uh, Street Fighter sounds <laughs> coming out, exactly. and it's like no. somebody didn't do their research. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's great. All right, uh, that's all the list I've got here. Anybody other, any other failed consoles we've yet to mention here? Honorable mentions? Dishonorable mentions? Uh, shield? Is the Shield a failed one, though? Because it's, it's kind of still around, and it's still... Is it popular enough to not be failed? On its own, I don't think itself is popular enough, but because it's basically the guts of the Switch, uh, the I Nvidia. think that that's... Probably keeping it afloat. Yes, yes. And if there's any truth to the rumors of the the switch pro and and the new chip that they're working on for the for that uh could be a new version of the shield coming out as well really oh Mm -hmm. interesting i've never heard of this the nvidia shield huh yep yeah it's actually a, a decent little like not necessarily specifically for a console it's like an android tv device yeah uh you know for streaming and things but because it was at the time the most powerful uh, graphics that you could get in a portable system, uh, you know, they, they ported a lot of games to it. People had to say, no, like there was actual legitimate games. Oh. Um, uh, like, uh, like Bioshock, I think is on there. Oh, really? um, Half Life yeah, 2 was the, ported over to it. Yeah. I want to say one of the Tomb Raiders or something yeah. was on it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like Metal Gear Solid, uh, not the not the mainline, but like the Rising or Vengeance oh, one right. was yeah. ported over to it. So yeah, it, it had a an actual decent library, and they were exclusive to the Shield. Mm-hmm. Um, like they wouldn't just run on a regular Android device. You had it had to be running the Shield for them to for them to play. Huh? Yeah, um, look at that. You get a used one for uh, one ninety nine. That's uh, yep. not a bad deal. Yep, and it and it they're great for streaming. Like if you if you need something on your TV for doing like Netflix or Hulu or whatever, uh, and you also want a little bit of a game system, yeah, get a Shield, and it runs emulators great. Like it'll do GameCube and uh, I think See, some Wii. Yeah, it'll that, do that too. Most of the people that I know that had them. Uh, they used it just to cast. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they didn't even use any of the gaming functions of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of chunky uh, looking too. It's probably not the sexiest looking uh, handheld. It definitely suffers that that gamer design yeah. where everything yes. has to have angles. Angles. And, yes. 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 Be green. Neon colors. Uh-huh. And, yeah. 
All right. Well, this was a fun little trip down memory lane. Uh, consoles yeah. we'll never have to see or play or hear of again, hopefully. Uh, so we can put them out to pasture. But uh, we can still remember them and think fondly on their contribution to gaming, even if that contribution was failing miserably so that others <laughs> could soar high. Next week on the 16-Bit Gladiators, I'm looking at a little schedule here. Uh, looks like we're going to be talking about video game developers. Some of the best video game developers, some no longer with us, some still cranking out hits today. Uh, yes. So we're going to run the gamut from uh, all sort of video game generations and uh, talk about some of the best video game developers out there. Any games you guys are playing? What are you guys playing nowadays? Um, I'm still playing Valheim. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, I just saw there was a it was Humble Bundle just came out with their new bundle. And it's all VR stuff. Oh. And one of them that I've been wanting to get for a while is there. Well, there's two of them on there that I've been wanting to get for a while. One uh, is called Sarriento mm. or Sarriento. I love their cheese. Yes. Yes. <laughs> nice. Uh, this one's kind of like a, you know, like this badass kind of ninja oh. with guns and blades and things like that. Nice. Um, and then the other one was uh, Borderlands 2 in VR. So I'm oh. kind, of, kind of interested in playing that one because I love Borderlands 2. And, and you, just and you the love you some VR to too, yeah. Yes, yes. Nice. Yeah, looking forward to those two for sure. Jason, what are you playing? Uh, I am still trying to finish The Witcher 3. Uh, maybe I'll finish it before The Witcher 4 comes out. <laughs> probably not. Um, probably not. Um, uh, and honestly, uh, the next thing I'm waiting for is uh, the Mass Effect Legendary. Mm. Yes. Uh, yes. I'm... I'm, I'm I'm going to take some time off maybe because uh, <laughs> uh, I, I remember doing that each time those games came out. Um, I took a day or two off work uh, and just got as far as I could without sleeping uh, or associating with anybody nice. <laughs> <laughs> with, with all of them dropping at once. Uh, yes. I, I, I could be antisocial for a long time. All right. Uh, well, uh, we enjoyed you on this episode. Hopefully we'll uh, get to you back before that game drops or uh, you'll never be on again. So, uh, Jason, <laughs> well, thank you again for having me. Yes, uh, come back soon. Always fun. Oh, yeah, you always bring it, man. Thanks for uh, bringing your perspective. I knew you'd have memories. Jay, once again, thank you for uh, sharing your time and, and efforts with us. Indeed, I always enjoy it. Mm-hmm. All right, and uh, listener, we will hear you next week when we talk about our favorite video game developers on the next episode of the 16-Bit Gladiators. All right, see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Have fun. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now? You've been listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. That's fucking gold.